If you've just slotted in, I would like to welcome you to our webcast. Today we're going to be talking about our inheritance. This is the second uh, session in talking about inheritance and we're in a series going through the letter to the Galatians. Now, when it comes to inheritance, we have um, confused inheritance with so many things and we don't really understand what Jesus Christ inherited and how we are co-heirs with Christ. And that's what I'm going to share with you and I'm going to try and do it as short as possible to just keep, to, to keep it short and powerful. Now, um, <clears throat> number one, I'm going to just mention what the inheritance actually is and then take it from there and explain it further. What we've inherited or what Jesus Christ inherited in the resurrection was undying human flesh. That's what he got. He, he received a glorified body or what we can say is immortality inside a human body or an immortal human body. That is what Jesus Christ received. When Jesus came to the earth, he came and he was born under the law. He was born of a woman under the law. And when he was born of a woman under the law, he came into our weakness, he came into our darkness, he came into our death, and from there redeemed us out of that into something else. Now, when Jesus came to the earth, he was made sin. He, he was a man that was Cursed, the Bible says for cursed, he became a curse himself. Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. Um, so he, he, he actually received death. In other words, the fullness that man can receive by trying to attain eternal life by his works, that he received. That took place in him. And then the Spirit of God raised him up out of that body and what he then received as a son of God was immortality, victory over death and victory over sin. In other words, he received a body wherein no sin dwells. He received a body that was resurrected that can never die. Um, that is what Jesus received. Now, one of the biggest things that we must understand is that God came to give us uh, immortality. Now, we've had this thing of that we are just immortal already. Um, you know, that is not the truth. Uh, God came to Adam and Eve and said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. He didn't say that you will eternally live in torture. He said, he didn't say you will have eternal life in hell. He said, you will surely die. And the whole thing about the gospel is about a physical death and a physical resurrection. That is what the whole gospel is about. The gospel is not the message of how God saves us from hell. The gospel is the message of how God saves us from death. That is why Jesus became sin. He had, that's why Jesus had to have a physical human body. Why the physical human body had to be exactly what our bodies is. And then he physically died. And that is the death the Bible talks about. And then he was 
physically raised from the grave so that we can have the blessed hope by the resurrection of what? Of conquering death. The whole thing is about life and death. And church, I know that what I'm saying now can get some folk to just jump up and say, whoa, 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 what are you saying? What I'm saying is very simple, that God doesn't want you to die, He wants you to live. And the life He has for us is not just to have a body living forever. That is not what He wants. What He wants is a body that lives forever on account of the Spirit of God that indwells that body that can actually give it the ability to live and never die. That is what He has got in mind for us. And that is what we can, what we inherit. Now, Jesus Christ came and He inherited something. And then let us just see if I, I hope I put Romans in here, um, Romans 1. Let me see if I put it in, otherwise we'll just read it. Read it. I just printed everything out. But um, let's just go to Romans 1 and just read a little bit about Jesus and, and how he was declared to be son of God. It says here, <clears throat> it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. This is Romans 1 verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection. So what he says here is that the declaration that Jesus, or Jesus was this, um, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So according to the flesh, he was of the seed of David. You could have his genealogy. He comes from David. He's of the seed of David, as the prophets have said. There's a gospel coming. There's going to be a man in the lineage of David, um, you know, and he's going to be the Messiah. Now, according to flesh, he was made, um, he came out of David, but he was declared to be the Son of God with authority or with power, or another way of saying this, he was, um, he was, he received his inheritance or he was adopted as a son according to the spirit of holiness or by the spirit of holiness or another way of saying it is by the Holy Spirit through the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith amongst all nations for his name. So what he is saying here is he says that Jesus Christ was not just the son of David, but he was declared to be the son of God with power by the Holy Spirit, raising him from the dead. Raising him from the dead. Now I want to go to Romans 7. Romans, sorry, Romans 8 verse 17. Let's just read, uh, read a bit there. So he comes here and he says, listen, this Jesus guy, he was born out of the, of the flesh. He was according to David, you know, in, in the lineage of David. But 
he was declared to be the son of God or in equality with God or having the attributes of God through the resurrection. So how do you, uh, how do you say you are a son of God? How do you know you are a son of God? Or what is the manifestation of being a son of God? Resurrection, the ability to never die and forever live. So uh, God has come and, and, and what Jesus Christ, what happened was, here he was, a man born under David, but he was declared to be the son of God with power or with authority or adopted as, as a son or um, if we use the Jewish way of understanding this, what it actually means is a man who's received his full inheritance. Jesus was declared to be the son of God by him inheriting what the father possess. And what was that? He was raised from the dead to never die. So, here is God, the only immortal. And what He promised man is immortality. Now people, we've had this thing about, we are so scared of hell, we are so scared of, shall we go to heaven or this or that? Listen, the scripture clearly states that in 1 Corinthians 15, that if those who are in Christ died, and Christ didn't raise from the grave, then they have no hope and they, are, they have perished. That word perish, perish means to, to basically turn back into dust. And they, they are they're completely dead. So what it means is that those people that has died are awaiting something from God that we could never have dreamt of, which was clearly portrayed in the resurrection of Jesus which is victory over physical death. Victory over sin. That is what is declared. And Christ will establish that kingdom. He will establish that immortality inside us. And He will come and He will manifest that by His doing. We don't have to try and claim it until it manifests. We believe that He will he will adopt us as sons. In other words, He will prove that we are the sons of God by bringing our bodies into equality with God, which is that we will have immortality as it, as, as it is possessed by God, the only immortal. Okay, now, that might sound very technical, but church, and if you're here for, a very, for the first time, I want to I, I want to apologize for what I say, but I want you to, I'm sorry that you get into such a technical message today. Um, let us just wrap this first part up. What I'm trying to say is, Jesus was the son of David, born under the law. Then he was declared by the word of God that he is the son of God. But he had nothing to prove his sonship. The way you could see somebody is the son of someone else is not just by birth, but in the Jewish context, but when the father declares him as son by giving him everything he possess, that is my son. Like the prodigal son, when he came home, he was declared as the son of the father by the father putting a ring on his finger giving him his signing right. That ring was the ring wherein you would 
seal something with. So the son could seal something as what the father could seal it. It was signing rights. It was equality in everything the father possessed. So here he comes and what does he do? He says, listen, I am giving to you the spirit that will raise you from the dead. Right now, as you believe in me, you are my sons. You have the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. He had it in him. That spirit proved the fullness of God in Jesus, making or declaring, not making, declaring Jesus as the Son of God by what he received after his death. What did he receive after his death? An immortal human body. So what did Jesus inherit? He received undying human flesh. And that is our inheritance. That is what he's come to give us. Now I want to read to you um, the definition, the Hebrew definition of uh, heir. It means to occupy, to be driving out previous tenants and pressing, uh, and pressing in their place. By implication to cease, to rob, to inherit, also to expel or to impoverish someone. To ruin. <laughs> what did Jesus Christ do? What did he inherit? He came into a human body that had the ability to die. Remember, all the descendants of David could die. All of them. There is nobody born out of the lineage of David that couldn't die. All would die. Jesus, Jesus became older. He looked 30. If he became 50, he would have been starting to turn gray. That is the way it is. He, he was inside a body that was made after the flesh. God declared to him, you are my son. He believed it. And this spirit, this Holy Spirit that entered Jesus, well it was on Jesus, on account of Jesus believing that truth, raised him from the dead and proved sonship by driving out all death driving out all sin and driving out everything that inhabited the body of a man that carried the sin of the world. So, when Jesus became an heir of God, this is what happened. Or let me, let me not put it that way. He, he was an heir, but when he received his inheritance... The inheritance that he received was the driving out of everything that was possessing or living in the place where God wanted his joy and peace to live. Now, let me read the definition again of inherit. A primary route to occupy, to be driving out previous tenants and pressing in their place. So what happened was, Jesus Christ came to the earth. He became sin. Whose sin? All of our sin. He took death on him. Whose death? Our death. Then, but he had the Holy Spirit. Then when the Spirit raised him from the dead, what happened? He drove out death. Physical death. He drove out all sin. He drove out all guilt. He drove out all condemnation. And what did he inherit? He inherited the fullness 
of God in a human body. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. That's what he received in his resurrection. That's his inheritance. That is when the tenants that were there were dr driven out. That was when, when Satan was impoverished, if you want to call it that way. When he was ruined, when he was cast out, consumed, destroyed, disinherited, dispossessed, driving out, expel. It's amazing, the word inherit. Heir, to inherit. I have got no heir. I've got no one that will take in where I can drive something out and give him that land. So, now Christ, what did he receive? When he came to the earth, he inherited what Adam has done. He received what Adam has done. And he received the ability to live, or he received a body that, that was born out of Mary, that had the ability to, um, to, 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 to die. He had the ability to have flu. He had the ability to have a stomach ache. He had the ability to need to use the restroom. He had the, he had the ability to be hungry. He had the shortcomings, hunger. Imagine the God of the universe being hungry. Desiring to have a, a, a proof of sonship. And then the Satan said to him, Prove your sonship by your works, by doing miracles. He said, I will not find my sonship in doing works. My sonship is in the word. The spirit is the word that comes from the mouth of God. And what did that word do? What did that spirit do in the end? Even when he received the fullness of everything, declaring that he is not the son of God, you know, like, I mean, how can a son of God die? It's impossible. God can never die. But here he says, I am in equality with God and I'm dying. It doesn't matter. The Spirit raised him up. And when the Spirit raised him up, he raised, him, he raised us with him for he died our death. And then he became an heir of immortality in a human flesh. And now the Bible says in Romans uh, 8 verse 17 let's read that it says um, now then it is no more sorry uh, 8 I read 7 there um, 8 verse 17 and if we are children then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we might also be glorified together so what he says is here a, a, a son of God an heir of God is somebody who has, who, who uh, heir of God is when we believe this truth, we are heirs. Okay? This heir shall be proven and shall receive his inheritance, which is what? The inheritance of this heir is what? Is immortality. It doesn't help you're an heir, but you never have an inheritance. If you say, I'm an, a joint heir with Christ, the question must be, what did he inherit? He inherited. What did he, what land did he get where something was pushed out? Where, what is he possessing where there was weakness and now there is strength? He possesses an immortal body. So the end goal of God with Jesus was not to get Jesus to go to heaven. Jesus has always been in heaven. The plan was not to get Jesus to heaven. 
the plan was to get Jesus into a human into human flesh, get him into a land that's occupied by death, occupied by sin, and then drive out all the tenants, drive out all the occupants of that land, and then possess that land as a son of God. So if he could drive out all death, drive out all sin, and if he could drive it out in the area where we live, meaning he drives out my death, he drives out my sin, what does it mean? That when I believe that, I'm a son of God in the sense of believing in Jesus, when I believe that, what happens? The spirit that brought forth that life in Jesus is now indwelling me. And what will it bring forth? That spirit that raised Christ from the dead and declared him as the son of God by bringing immortality, that spirit will bring the same to me. So it's all about life. It's all about God giving us life. That's what it's about. Now, now, some people might say, you know, this is a, a, a this teaching is just uh, not the truth or whatever. Listen, we can go and sit down with Scripture and go Scripture, go through Scripture one by one, and you will see that the Scripture teaches this. The Apostle Paul, he listen. The Apostle Paul, when he was about to die, he said. He said, when he was thinking of death, when he was thinking of all those kind of things, he said, this is it. I don't want to have the law in my life because I want to be a partaker of the resurrection. That's what he said. And when he talked about resurrection, you know, we get different kinds of ideas of resurrection. Now, just when I die, I'm raised up. Rubbish. Rubbish. We'll be in the likeness of his resurrection. How was Jesus raised? Was he raised in his spirit? Or was, was the resurrection that it had everything to do with seeing no bones in the grave? What did it have to do with? It had everything to do with seeing an empty grave. But what we've done is we've, take, we've taken Greek philosophy of the, some Greek philosophy of the afterlife and preach that instead of just simply what Jesus came and portrayed. What Jesus portrayed was the resurrection. So what was in the mind of Paul was, I will I be a partaker of the resurrection or will I not? Will I be raised from physical death and declared as a son of God and inherit what Christ inherited or not? Now, the reason why I say all of this is, 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 is because we are actually explaining Galatians 4. And um, I'm going to wrap it up. I think you've got a lot to think about. Uh, let's go to Galatians. Oh, yeah, here it is. 4. It says the following. Now I say that the heir, as long as what is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. You can be lord of all. You can be an heir. In this case, you can be a Jew. But um, uh, uh, as long as what is a child, he differs nothing from a servant. So what he's saying here, he says, let me put it this way. He says, but this child is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we were children 
even we were children, we were in bondage under the elements or the laws of this world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So what He's saying is, as long as what you are under the law, and you try to have life by works, and you're under the law of sin and death, you cannot inherit what God has planned for you. You cannot inherit that. And part of that inheritance is, uh, that inheritance is immortality, and the first fruit of that inheritance is what we call the fruit of the Spirit. You know that immortality is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something the Spirit brings forth. In the same way, you will not be able to inherit true joy, true peace, true long-suffering, true kindness, true generosity, if you try and live by rules and regulations. You differ nothing from a slave. Don't think that you're a son because you are a bar mitzvah, meaning you're a son of the law. If you're a son of the law, you are nothing different than a heathen, a man that doesn't believe in God. And the context there is not that you are not a child of God or that you don't belong to God, because the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. What it's talking about is very simple. It is trying to explain to us that a child, a, a child, a slave doesn't matter. The end goal is you becoming immortal. And what he's saying is that it is impossible for you to receive immortality by obedience to laws. And then he goes on and he explains and he says here and he uses Hagar and uh, Sarah. And he comes and he says to the, to the end of chapter 4, I'm not going to read all of that, he says that the bond woman and the free cannot inherit together. So what it means is, as long as what we live by works, as long as what we find our identity in our works, and we don't find our identity in the work of God, believing that God has come to save me from the flesh, save me from sin, save me from death, grant me immortality and prove my sonship, wherein I can believe and trust Jesus to bring it forth in me, thus bring forth the Spirit whereby I cry, Abba Father, whereby I can cry and say, I am a son of God, and the Spirit by which I cry this, this shall prove the sonship by making me immortal. Now that is what he has promised us. And that is what the Apostle Paul was awaiting. They were awaiting the return of Jesus to manifest immortality. And now we come with so many different things, doctrines of demons and doctrines of this and doctrines of that, instead of simply believing the very simple gospel, which is the following. God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat of that tree, for the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And then God said, I will not grant you to eat of the, of the tree of life in the state of death, meaning I'm not willing that you will forever live or have eternal life inside torture. That's what he said. And he says, I will bring an end to that system. And I will allow you to die in that system. That's what he said. But I will not grant eternal life to misery. And I will give you, I open up a new way for you. And the way is Jesus, so that we can believe upon Christ. And only the believer will be saved from death. Not everybody, only the believer. 
Then he says, I'll open a way for you. This way that he opens up for us is by taking a man that is inside death, inside all sin, and this man only calls God his father by faith, not by works, by only believing. When Jesus was in the desert, he had no reason to say, I'm the son of God. He had no proof of sonship. He couldn't see any inheritance. And then the devil said, let your inheritance be the, the miracle you do. Jesus said, no, my inheritance is not the miracles I do. My inheritance is not what I can do. What I inherit, it will be by the word that God spoke over me. And that inheritance is to have immortality. And a body that can never be subject to sin or death. That's it. And that's the doing of God. And God comes to the earth and serves man with this message. Serves him with this truth saying, can I bring you to the place? Can you believe that I have conquered your death? I have conquered your sin. Can you understand why the fruit of the Spirit is things like healing? Why is it healing? It's the healing of the physical body. Why? Because the gospel is about saving the physical body from death. That's what it's all about. It's amazing, isn't it? Why is this things like the prophetic and words of wisdom, words of knowledge, showing to us that God knows our very thought, showing to us that God knows our future, showing to us that He will heal us. Why signs one is miracles like raise the dead, cleanse the leper? It's the healing of the body. Showing us by the Spirit, what the Spirit is capable of. The Spirit is capable of raising from the dead. The Spirit is capable of healing flesh that rotted away. For He shall glorify our human bodies. And when that Spirit starts to heal our body, we find a healing of our thoughts. We find a healing of our emotions. We start to find a healing of our, uh, our, our feelings and our um, uh, uh, our language, we find healing coming over us. Why? Because the Spirit is a healer. And then we will find the fullness of this manifest in us as Jesus establishes and manifests the fullness of His kingdom which He already established on the earth. When He manifests the fullness of it, He will manifest it in our bodies through immortality. That is the end goal. <laughs> Church, that is what God has for us. And that is what Romans 8 says. Now, the reason why I say all of this is because um, of verse 30 in, in Galatians 4. And I end off with this. It says, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? It says, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heirs with the son of the free woman. And then he comes and he explains who this bondwoman is. He goes in verse 9. <clears throat> Sorry, verse, um, verse 24. Which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendered the bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar, and he comes now and he says, I want to explain to you who the bondwoman is. The bondwoman is Hagar. Who is this Hagar? He says, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. <laughs> 
So what is he talking about here? He's talking about mixing Judaism with Christianity. And he says that through Judaism you cannot be an heir. The Jew is not an heir through his Judaism. The heir is the believer. That is the heir. That is the one that will inherit the holy life. So holy life is not a command. A holy life is the promise. It is our inheritance. That is the first fruit of our inheritance. We'll find healing for our bodies. We'll find uh, 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 all these signs and wonders pointing to the true inheritance. So now we have the Spirit by which we say, Abba Father. But the Spirit will cause us to be manifested sons of God, which is manifesting immortality in our lives. Glory to God. Well, church, thank you so much for watching and joining in this webcast. I'm sure that some of you might have some questions. If you have some questions, please send it to info at dynamicministries.com and we will see that you get answered. And um, if you don't get answered back, your questions will help us to know uh, what questions people have in general and it can be answered in our next session. So no, the bondwoman must be cast out. We cannot mix Judaism, Jerusalem teachings and all those kind of things with Christianity because these two cannot inherit together. The bondwoman will not be heir with, will not inherit with the free. Cast out the bondwoman and the son. In other words, cast out the sonship you receive from obeying the law. Cast out the proof of sonship that comes from your works. Cast it all out. Don't let your car have a voice anymore. Let me first use it in true context. Don't let circumcision have a voice. Don't let you feel, you know, a, a, a certain people group are more special than other groups. Don't let that be in your life. And you want to take it into everyday life? Let not the physical things of this world have a voice over you anymore, declaring your sonship. There's one who declares sonship, and that is God. He declares the spirit that's inside you has come and brought forth a change in your life where you feel the peace of God. And you can see the first fruit of that sonship ending in immortality. And even if you're on a desert today where you might feel, oh my goodness, you know, I don't see any proof of sonship. You don't live by the manifestation of things in this life. God, the Spirit that's in you, whereby you cry, Abba, Father, on account of believing Jesus, shall make your physical body immortal. And should it happen that you die, He will raise your body from the dead. And if your body is not glorified, when Jesus comes, your body shall be glorified. That's the Christian hope. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for your truth. Church, let us pray together. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful gospel. Thank you that we could preach this radical truth and that people can be greatly impacted. I thank you for signs, wonders and miracles that take place in the lives of people right now. I thank you they are deeply impacted by your message of grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I would like to thank you for watching and slotting in. Please feel free to go to dynamicministries.com, click on Wet Fellowship. We're going to change that to Wet Church uh, because this is a church. And there you can see everything that our Wet Fellowship is all about. Thank you for slotting in. Those of you that want to give 
it's very simple you can just go to donate button and make your donation there thank you for your generosity thank you for your involvement in our web fellowship if you want to be involved in our web fellowship please make sure that you write our office at info at dynamicministries.com or contact any of our web pastors and let them know about that so uh, thank you so much know that you are deeply loved by god and god smiles over your life amen